Welcome to the Sargassum Podcast, where we learn about the latest ideas and concepts about Sargassum. This podcast is funded by the Resilience, Sustainable Energy and Marine Biodiversity Program, Resenbit. It's financed under the 11th European Development Fund, EDF, Caribbean Overseas Countries and Territories Regional Program. Resenbit is being implemented by expertise grants, with primary stakeholders being the 12 Caribbean overseas countries. Let's get ready to learn together. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to the Sarcasm Podcast. We have a uh, new member with us, Mr. Miss Holly. She's going to be with us today. Um, she's working with us on some other stuff and wanted to see what the podcast was about. And we're really happy to have you all here. And I'll... Um, since we last got together, Jenna, have you got any new news for us? I do have new news. I was accepted into a PhD program, so I'll be starting in the fall. So that is very exciting. Woohoo! Excellent, excellent. Anything you want to say, real quick, Holly? I'm really excited to uh, be part of this, and I look forward to the conversation today. Excellent, excellent. I'm I'm pretty happy to be here today, and. Uh, it's quite an honor for me to be introducing everybody. I usually we have somebody else to do that because of my horrid accent, but the day I think is really cool to be introducing everybody. But we're here with Dr. Jeff Davis, who is an associate professor at, at the School of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the Georgia Institute of Technology. He's also co-director of the Grand Challenges Living and Learning Community and director of the Grand Challenges Scholar Program, which is what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. We also have over there sitting beside him is Sierra Hudson. She's a mechanical engineering student at the Georgia Institute of Technology. She has experience in multiple industries and in entrepreneurship and is currently serving as a director of the communications at the Invention Studio at Georgia Tech. Together, they are looking at the big questions that are affecting our future. And one of these is, is the sargassum issues in the Caribbean. Welcome. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And guys, to get this kicked off. And uh, we always start off asking everybody this this one question. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll kick it off. What is sargassum to you? The, this is the, the question. So maybe I'll start first just to give you a little uh, history. I guess for me, sargassum has, has been, it's, it's kind of transformed. Um, you know, my, uh, I spent a lot of time in the Dominican Republic. Uh, my wife is from there. And so I've been going there for whatever, 20 plus years. And, you know, at some point, Sargassum, for me, just started off as a curiosity. You know, we would typically spend most of the time in the capital in Santo Domingo. But, you know, a lot of times we would go out to the, to the beach. And, you know, probably we would always go to this during the summer. So we weren't going during the winter. And so at some point, probably 2000, I don't know, 2010, 2014, right, you started to see this you know, algae and, you know, didn't really, you know, sometimes we would go see it. Sometimes we wouldn't see it. So it was just a, a little bit of a, a curiosity at that point. Um, but as we kept going, you know, more and more, you see more of it, more people are talking about it. And so really for me, it, it kind of transformed into, um, you know, a, a significant problem, right. That's impacting the human condition. Um, and so that's how, I guess I look at it now is, is this, um, you know, we like to use the term here, uh, grand challenge, but one of the, the grand challenges that's really facing our, facing our planet, so. 
And to me, sargassum is really interesting because we view it as this negative thing that's impacting the economy and the environment. But what's really interesting is that we don't know everything about sargassum at this point. Um, and it really opens up a world of possibilities because we could do all these different things with sargassum that we haven't even really fully explored yet. Um, and so that's what our research group is focusing on. We want to take sargassum, which we have way too much of right now, and figure out if there's something that we can do with it to actually improve the human condition. Very nice. Uh, as you know, I'm one hour away from the ocean, and you're five hours west of me. <laughs> so you don't really have ready access to uh, salt water and the ocean and whatnot. How did the initial, this sargassum research group come about? So I can talk a little bit, of, I guess, about the, the history. Um, I mean, it's even, you know, we even kind of look at it, you know, like I'm an electrical engineer. So it's even further. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not a marine biologist, not a biologist. Um, so maybe even one step further. But what happened, um, that really what started us thinking about the problem in a more serious way is we actually were contacted by uh, a governmental agency in the Dominican Republic uh, called Anamar. And so they were looking to try, they were basically trying to go out to different universities to get more of a connection because, you know, it's, it's such a big problem there. And so I was contacted and, uh, I thought about it for a while, actually, as far as, you know, passing the, just, you know, kind of passing the contact information, uh, to maybe our biology department. We have Dr. Joe Mentoya here, who I think you guys are going to interview is kind of the expert in that area. Um, but because of the experiences that I've had with undergraduates um, in the Grand Challenges Living Learning Community, where we, we basically had this philosophy that we want students uh, to, to identify certain problems in the world, right? And then we wanna to bring together a cross-disciplinary team of those students so potentially they can look at it with fresh eyes. And so that was kind of the start. So I kind of pitched them, I said, well, we can do that, but there also might be an interesting opportunity if we want to have a lot of a student engagement in this as well uh, to form a, a, a team of students. So when we started, for example, we had uh, civil environmental engineering, we had mechanical engineering, uh, we had someone from biology, uh, we have a chemical engineer. And, um, and so that was kind of the, uh, you know, we are far from the ocean, but that was kind of the start. And then from that, we sent students to the ocean <laughs> <laughs> so we went, we sent some students down to um, Fort Lauderdale to look at, they have a huge uh, composting facility down there. And so we sent some students down there to learn, well, what are you guys doing with it? What are the issues? And they collected some samples for us to, to, to maybe start to do some experiments with. Um, and then we took it one step further. We actually got a, um, a little seed grant here at Georgia Tech uh, called the Denning Global Engagement Seed Grant. And so we use that money to put together a 10 day uh, problem discovery trip down to the Dominican Republic. And so I went down and with four, four students. And one of the things we talked about the students is you gotta, I mean, you can look at the research papers and you, but you gotta go down and you gotta talk to all the different stakeholders. And so we went and talked to people, at universities, we talked to the government, we talked to local farmers, uh, we talked to, to people associated with resorts um, and uh, really tried to give the students this, this um, understanding, not only of the Dominican culture and some of the, uh, but also the challenges that they're experiencing with the sargassum. So that was kind of how we, that was kind of our in inception. And that was, we did the 10 day 
discovery trips back in back in August of last year. And what are some of the research projects you guys are working on since that trip? So right now, we've kind of break uh, our research group down into three different projects. So the first one that we're working on is the collection of sargassum. Um, and so one of the problems that they're having down in the Dominican Republic and other countries like that um, is that it's very difficult to remove the sargassum from the ocean and actually move it up the beach um, because they collect it in these huge nets. They're like 500 kilograms of sargassum or something like that. Um, and so it's very difficult to move them without using heavy machinery like an excavator. Um, and currently that's causing a lot of cost and economic impact. So for that, we're looking into different ways that um, we can move that sargassum up the beach without causing as much of that negative impact. And then another project that we're looking at is bioremediation. Um, and so that's actually using sargassum as a tool to help absorb some of the industrial waste out of um, water. So in the water purification process, that would be at the beginning um, or somewhere around there where you would actually be able to use that sargassum as a tool to remove those impurities from the water and help um, in that process instead of just having to throw the sargassum away. Um, and then the last project that we'll be talking about today is, uh, is using the black soldier fly larva to actually process that sargassum um, and turn it into biofuel. And that's what I want to ask you about at all, because that sounds pretty weird to me and odd to me. Um, I like people that do things differently, me, myself. I'm uh, developing biology textbooks written in indigenous languages. So people say that's a little bit odd too. Um, so tell me, tell us about the soldier flies and, and how you're doing that. Yeah, so um, um, so it is probably I agree. It's it's kind of a it's a very different idea, and um, you know one of the things that that we talk to the students about when they're when they're starting to to do their problem solving, a lot of different techniques. But one of the techniques is that you know you really start to understand your problem, right? You start to research, understand all the nuances associated with that, and then one of the things that you can do is you can start to look at the trends in technology and society and, and, and what are kind of the popular trends? And then can you start to make a connection between those two? And so I think this kind of falls, the, we, 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 um, we started this, it falls in that category. If you think about black soldier fly larvae, uh, it's a huge trend now worldwide in, um, um, in trying to process food waste. And, and so um, as you start to think about um, you know, whatever the statistics are, you know, as far as uh, a third of the food, you know, that we have is just is just wasted, is just thrown away. The, a lot of people are looking at that and saying, well, can we use that in, in a in, in a good way? Right. You know, beyond just composting and whatnot. And the black soldier fly is, is very interesting because it is a super efficient at breaking down uh, organic uh, matter. Uh, so the enzymes that it has in its gut and they grow extremely fast. So you can start with just this like small little larva that's that's hatched and then you know 10 days later uh if given the right food source they become this really uh like little protein and lipid bar right uh that that's that's uh that has a lot of uh, has a lot of nutrients in it and so um if you look at that trend there's been a lot of trends for example in malaysia where they've um had a lot of black soldier fly larvae and even thinking about that protein 
not just for livestock, which people do, they'll feed it to, uh, they'll feed it to chickens or they'll feed it to, uh, to fish, right. As a, as kind of a nutritious source, but even starting to think about, uh, feeding it, uh, as a, as a protein source for, uh, for humans as well. Um, now in some cultures, people are like, oh no, there's no way I'm going to eat uh, black soldier fly larvae, but that's how we started. So we started asking the question is, okay, is there a connection between these two? And so that was, uh, then the question is, well, will black soldier fly, will they eat, uh, the sargassum, right? Uh, will they thrive on the sargassum? And so, uh, a lot of the students started doing some, some experiments with, uh, to, to answer that first question, um, is will they consume the sargassum? And what we did is we did an experiment where we had sargassum and we really just fed it a lot of these black soldier fly. And we looked at the composition of, of the, of the, we separated out the flies and we looked at what was left over and we saw over a period of time that they, that they did consume the sargassum. So we kind of like, okay, we checked it off. Um, right now, what we're trying to figure out is the question is, will they thrive on it? Right. Um, will, is, is it, is it nutritious enough that they can really grow, uh, to the, you know, to the full extent. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what we're, what we're looking at now. Um, the other aspect of this is that what, you know, you know, there's a, a lot of controversy of the sargassum, you know, does it have heavy metals, right? Has it absorbs heavy metals, right? Or if the arsenic content and potentially, you know, maybe early on people were trying to eat it. I'm not sure, but, but potentially you have to be very careful. Like if I'm going to put this on my crops, you know, is there going to be accumulation of these? Right. And so part of the constraint that we were looking at in this regards is that, well, it's probably not a black soldier fly that would be for human consumption. In fact, in probably in the Dominican culture, you, that would never sell. Right. But, um, or even, even from an agricultural standpoint, there may be some opportunities there, but I think still you have to kind of worry about the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the heavy metals, uh, that the black soldier fly may, may, may absorb. And so we kind of shifted to look at, well, what is the opportunity in, in biofuels? Um, and bio, uh, biomethane and also biodiesel. And so that's kind of shifted our efforts. And because so many people are looking at black soldier fly, uh, there's just a ton of research out there and looking at a lot of different applications. And so, uh, for example, there's a group in Korea and they're looking at converting the black soldier fly into, into biodiesel. Um, we've been looking a little bit in some of the partners that we've been talking to a little, a little bit more at, at biomethane and biogas, just because it's a little easier process, uh, for, for people to, to start to use. And, um, in some of the, the, the work in the literature actually suggests that if you use the black soldier fly as a, as kind of the feed to your, you know, your bacteria in that anaerobic environment, that it's, it actually, the, the biomethane potential, um, is, is pretty, pretty large. Actually, it's about 50% larger than if it was just food waste. And it's a lot larger, uh, maybe, uh, maybe it depends on, you know, if you just use sargassum, which people do, right. You're using sargassum as a, as a, as a, as a feeder into an anaerobic digester. Um, it's about, um, you know, it, it can be up to like maybe even four to five times greater than just, just the raw sargassum. So that's kind of how we've been, that's how we've been kind of looking at this and getting involved in this. Uh, we like it because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very sustainable method. Uh, you know, the black soldier fly, uh, it's something that's accessible to small farmers. 
Um, it's almost like a very low energy way to process the sargassum, right? A lot of people are like, what do we do with the sargassum, right? Is it, can we use in that form? And if you're using too many resources to try to process it, maybe you start to lose some of those benefits. This we think is interesting because it's a very low energy aspect um, and uh, of a way that we can take the process at sargassum into something else that potentially would be useful to a lot of people. So, so that's kind of the, I don't know, that's kind of the nutshell, I guess, with, uh, with this black soldier fly story. Very nice. You kind of, you know, the bioaccumulation of the heavy metal and stuff is, as soon as you started talking, that's what I started thinking about. And, uh, but you address that very well. Thank you for that. And I'll, um, and it's you also, I believe, it sounds like you're trying to make this in a way where it's very easy to include local people. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that's a big part of that's one of the reasons that I kind of like this this aspect where, you know, if we can introduce this in to a system that it's not just a large, you know, whatever uh, chemical company that could come in like a, from a corporate standpoint, we really kind of look at this from uh, from the ground up. And so this could be something that would be easily accessible to a local farmer or if, a, you know, or even a, a small, you know, uh, like a fisherman that wanted to start to, to, to grow these. They harvested the sargassum and then used that to grow the black, black soldier fly. And that black soldier fly larvae could actually be somewhat of a ca uh, cash crop. And so I think it's inclusive of uh, a lot of the, of the uh, you know, of, of everyone right in that regards. And it, you don't necessarily have to have a million dollars in capital, right, to get this process started. And so we, we really like that aspect of it. Um, have, you know, let me let me back up just a little bit to you, to the bioaccumulation thing. Have, have, have you mm -hmm. looked at the bioaccumulation in the, I mean, maybe th throw some of these guys under a mass spec or something and, and see if they're um, uptaking any of this stuff? So we haven't, but there actually is research that people have already done. And so there is an indication and there's something there's actually an interesting point with this is that the indication is that the black soldier fly larvae actually will uptake any heavy metals. You know, they're in fact, some people they haven't done the experiment with sargassum, but there's some published research uh, with with other types of algae, brown algaes. And they they have seen that the that the black soldier fly will uptake that into their into their body. Um, now, the interesting thing is that their frass or poop, right, in that regards, actually seems to come out uh, pure, right? That it's not, that if you're looking at the, the excrement of the, the black soldier fly, that that actually is, is uh, you know, doesn't have the heavy metals. And the thing that's kind of interesting about that, which I didn't mention as far as an application, is that that frass, uh, a lot of people are using that as a low-cost organic fertilizer. And so uh, there's a lot of things that are kind of uh, unknown, but, uh, but there might be, you know, if you could use the black soldier fly larvae in applications where it's not, you know, getting into our food supply, right? But maybe the, the leftover, uh, the frass from the black soldier fly actually could be used. I mean, it have to be tested, right? But it could be used as, as something that is a, it's a clean organic uh, fertilizer that's rich in phosphorus, nitrogen, um, yeah. You just gave me about 40 new questions and I'm <laughs> not asking any of them. 
<laughs> and oh, that's that's a great explanation. Thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what this grand challenge is about? About the of the grand challenge. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we can. Do you wanna do you wanna take that or? Uh... Sure. So, um, as a student, I was in grand challenges two years ago, which is a program um, that Jeff works on, and. Basically, it took you from the stage of the conception uh, of a problem that you've noticed in the community or in the world, um, all the way until you start designing a solution to it at the end of the year. So um, you get into a group of people and there's a lot of problem discovery. There's a lot of talking to stakeholders um, and, and really you're trying to define the scope of a problem um, and then figure out how you can address that problem and turn it into a viable solution. We like to use the term grand challenge here, I guess. And that was kind of it started with the National Academy of Engineering um, many years ago. They started off with their 14 grand challenges. Uh, here, we almost kind of use those interchangeably if you start to think about the, the 17 UN Sustainability Development Goals as well. Um, and so we're looking at projects that they really have an impact on the human condition. Um, because a lot of times as engineers, you know, uh, you know, we want to we have a tendency to, I don't know, sometimes we get a little gadget oriented. It's like, oh, do I want to make a better laundry folding machine, <laughs> right? Or do I want to try to develop a technology that can that can have impact in the environment, or, you know, or or in, in someone's lives? And so that's, that's really kind of the culture that we're trying to develop here at, at Georgia Tech through this community and with great students like, like Sierra. So. so one of the things that I learned there was that you know, you want to start by defining the problem and not by trying to attack it with a solution. And that really applies to this project as well, because we want to figure out if there's any potential with the black soldier fly and in what capacity that could be. And then from there, we can define it um, into a solution or into a project where we can actually start using them to create biofuel. That's awesome. I love that mindset of looking at these solutions and um, defining the problem first so you can really attack a solution. Um, going back to the black soldier flies, um, are there any concerns when you're moving these little guys around that you might transfer any kind of pathogens or diseases, you know, to a new environment when you're So in them? a short answer, no, there are not. Um, actually, black soldier fly are native to the Americas, so there's no problem with having invasive species of any sort. Um, and they actually don't carry diseases. They don't bite humans, so they can't cause harm to humans or animals. Um, and then also, they don't eat crops, so there's no potential harm to the agricultural industry. Um, and so these these little flies are just like the perfect um, opportunity because there's basically no negative impacts of using them in this capacity. That's terrific. They are perfect little specimens <laughs> for this. In fact, when we were when we were in the, in right. the Dominican Republic, of course, we were kind of like you know, we were going all over, we were looking for black soldier fly. Uh, we didn't quite see any, but we contacted, there's a, a farm there, which uh, was on the northern side of the island. So we weren't able to go there. So we exchanged some communication called uh, Tayento Farms. And so what they, they had been growing some of the black soldier fly and they were growing the black soldier fly based upon, they were using food waste. And then they were feeding the, the black soldier fly to their fish, I think, uh, maybe tilapia. They had a kind of an aquacultural thing set up. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's native, uh, to the Dominican. Um, and in fact, some people are already, uh, starting to grow it. That's awesome. It's exciting. 
Sierra engineering and mechanical engineering, probably more specifically, is a decently male-dominated field still. Um, I can appreciate that. I'm I'm wearing my women in science awesome. and engineering hoodie for this interview for you today. Um, what are your tips for any female identifying people in the world who are interested in STEM and or engineering in particular and just kind of getting started? Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, I would say just pursue what you're interested in, regardless of what demographic is currently in that industry, regardless of how you think it's going to trend in the coming years. Just do what you want to do and don't be deterred by someone's preconceived notions of what someone who takes that career would look like. Um, and so for me, like I was always really interested in design and I realized that, you know, pursuing mechanical engineering would give me the background of STEM as, uh, along with being able to work on product design and regardless of, you know, the fact that there might be 75%, um, male identifying people in my classes, it was definitely the route for me to take. And so I'm very glad I did. Um, and additionally, if you're thinking about pursuing a career in STEM and you're a female, I would highly recommend you go on LinkedIn and look up, look up someone who, um, who's a woman in the career that you want and just reach out to them. Just have a meeting with them um, and talk to them and see what advice you can get because they've definitely been in your position before and they can offer you a lot of good advice. Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful. Um kind of way to look at it. Just do what you think you want to do and do what you love and you'll be happy regardless. So I dig it. May I ask another question about the grand challenge? Yeah, I, I support that 100%. We don't, we don't have enough of that. And all oh, there's too many people that identify like me in biology and STEM and we need a very wide diversity of everything in there because, because that, Spice makes lots of different spices and makes everything better. For sure. And I'll well, look here. I want to thank you guys for uh, being with us today. And I'll, I've learned a lot. I hope Jenna's learned a little something. And all, and uh, we just really appreciate you here. And and uh, we hope that uh, we'll let you know when this comes out. And and thank you for being with us today. Is there anything you'd like to add before you go? I think I'm good. Yeah, just uh, thank you for, for thinking about us. Uh, yeah, appreciate you know, it. Uh, and uh, thank you for having us on. Excellent. Thank you for being there. We appreciate you. <laughs> All right. See thank you guys. You. Bye. Bye. So I, uh, I don't know about you, Jenna, but I was very surprised to be talking about flies so much today. And um, <laughs> what do you think? I learned a lot about uh, the black soldier fly that I did not know before. In fact, it made me giggle when he said, well, you know, when you're thinking about the black soldier fly, and I thought, man, I've never thought about the black soldier fly before, but I loved how detailed everything was. And I loved the grand, um, the grand challenge. What a neat idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was really great. And I, I especially like the, that Sierra young lady was here with us today talking about this stuff. We, you know, like you said, we need, we need, you know, we need uh, we need more representation from from all groups. You know, not just you know uh, females, but different people of color, different genders, and stuff like that. And 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 you know, we're looking for that representation and and all. And um and the world needs that because everybody's well, almost everybody has good ideas.
but everybody has something to contribute and all. And it, it's just really important to, to get more and more people involved because there's too many people doing all this science that looks like me. And frankly, that's a little getting a little bit boring and all. People <laughs> getting tired of it. Yeah. But everybody comes up with a different, you know, from we all have a different backgrounds and different perspectives uh, when we come being raised and, you know, we're a product of, of the community we're raised in. And so we bring different things to the, to the thing and that's a good thing and all. So, um, anyway, folks, thank you for being here with us again and all for another episode of the Sargassum podcast. We, uh, really appreciate you and, uh, really grateful you're here with us today. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in today and learning with us from our guests. If you want more information about what our guests talked about today, please check our show notes for links and information in our archives. And don't forget to like and share our podcast with your friends. The Sargassum Podcast is made possible through funding by the Resilient Sustainable Energy and Marine Biodiversity Program, Resembit. Finance under the 11th European Development Fund, EDF, Caribbean Overseas Countries and Territories Regional Program. Resembit is being implemented by Expertise France with the primary stakeholders being the 12 Caribbean Overseas Countries and Territories. The podcast is produced by Paola Diaz, Mario Garcia Rodriguez, Cleo Maridakis and Eloise Lopez and it is hosted by Francisca Elmer, Jenna Contucchio, Florence Menes, Cleo Maridakis, Evelyn Salas, and Paola Diaz. We will be back in two weeks with another exciting guest. The music of the podcast is from the song Them A Pray by Drizzle, the Road Runner, an artist from Roatan. Follow him on Spotify or YouTube for more music.